Welcome to our Like Dragons, Do They Fight audio series. I'm here with Stephanie. Um, she has an incredible son, a graduate from our Sons of Healing program, and she has been really involved in our Mothers Who Know support group. She's just not going away because she just really has noticed I just really have enjoyed what, what you've learned, I think, Stephanie, here, and then also what you noticed happened for your boy. So she's turned her experience into service and she's done so much for our company right now. She's currently helping with our outreach where mothers are reaching out to mothers and she's also being so instrumental in helping us to serve our generals in a better way. And so I'm so thankful for Stephanie and I'm excited for you to hear from Stephanie. Uh, So Stephanie, Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Karen. I'm so grateful to be here. I just want you to feel comfortable sharing whatever it is that you would love to share about what I would love another mother to know about what it feels like to have a boy who's amazing. So I'd, I'd love you to tell us just a little bit about your, your boy and your experience of how you discovered that you needed more support and how you found that support. So if you don't mind, can we just start there? Sure. So Karen, um, I already said I have an amazing boy. He is the oldest of four boys in my family. And he has just always been a spiritual um, strength in our family and just super close to, I always say he was close to the veil. He just always magnified um, the spirit whenever he was around and just was always a blessing in our home. Um, uh, His addiction started about age 11 to pornography. We did not know. We did not find out for some time. When we found out, I did not react very well. Um, It was not something I would dealt with my family or with my husband. And so I felt completely just blindsided by it and, and without any um, idea of really how to help him. And um, I really just kind of wanted it to go away. And so we talked to him about it and, and just decided to kind of look the other way and just, well, don't do that again and kind of um, put our blinders on at that point. But his addiction didn't go away. It would cycle. He would he'd be okay for a period of time, sometimes even months at a time. But, you know, it just never was gone. And it started to eat away, just started to chip away at that spiritual, precious side of him. And slowly he began to withdraw. I apologize. Thinking back to that time, it's still evoke such powerful emotions in me but this was a boy who did not like that side of him he did not like this person that he was in the dark did not want to be that person and so we prayed about what to do um started working with our bishop and ecclesiastic leaders and and they did what they could for him and he would he would do really well for periods of time but he would struggle and finally. Um, it just got to the point where he just didn't really want to even 
be here anymore. He did not want to be around family. He did not even really want to live anymore. It was just an extreme point of desperation that we were at. And my husband actually saw an article someone, a friend, had shared on social media and on Facebook about this program, Sons of Helaman, and he read a little bit about it and researched a little bit about it, and when he told me, it was like that glimmer of hope that I'd carried for so long that things could change, just, it came back, and I felt it again, and I saw it again, and, and um, we prayed about it and talked to our son, and, and he really was just tired of trying things that didn't work or hadn't worked fully for him, and so he was quite skeptical, to say the least, <laughs> but I drug him to the first meeting, and after he had been to that meeting, he realized that he was not alone, and he realized that he had an enemy, and he learned something that was just so critical in his battle, and it's been a real turning point for him that he was still that person. He was still that spiritual, threatening to the enemy giant that he always was. And that this was just something that Satan was using to keep him down and to keep him from becoming the amazing young man that he truly could be. And so he did really well in the program and actually graduated in, in you know, the requirement is a 12-week period. He graduated in just over 12 weeks, really. It was about 16 weeks. 19 total if you count the three weeks that we kind of drug him <laughs> along. But when he really jumped in and saw the principles and saw the people around him who were winning their battles and had help from their clinician and from the Savior, he really started to fight. And, and wow, when he fights and puts those principles to, to use, he is just unstoppable. And he's now serving a mission, which we're so grateful for. So I've probably rambled on long enough about that, but it's hard to put it into just a few words. <laughs> Journey from the last six years, but that is where we're at now, is we are on the other side of this abyss, is what I kind of call it, that these children are being lured into. Um, he has made his way out, and it is just a miracle. Wow. Thank you so much. So, Stephanie, you said something earlier, and it, I think it's so, uh, it's, it would just be useful to share because we all have such, um, I don't know, just a fear of whenever our kids do something outside of what we've trained them to do or what we value so much. And then they do something so out of their character, like you described. And then usually when that happens, we have no experience being in that place. So it's shocking. And um, would you just tell us a little bit about, because you said we, act, we reacted in the wrong way. Um, what would you, um, what, give us a little picture of maybe what you did that was the wrong way and what you might recommend um, if you were you to, to do a replay. You know, what would you recommend? What, did you, what have you noticed since then? Well, what I did, um, it, it's almost comical, but it, it's just where I was at back then. Um, when I found out that my son had used my phone to view pornography, I 
at the time, I was about eight months pregnant, and I was already a complete hormonal, emotional disaster. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it just shocked me. And so I, he'd already gone to school that morning. So I drove to school to pick him up and to force him to tell me the truth. Was this during, was this during school or after school? During school at lunchtime, I drove to school to pick him up and I said, get in the car and here he's surrounded by all of his cute little friends and they don't know what's going on. And I'm sure he was just mortified. And of course, then after that, because he was so worried about how terribly I had reacted, he was very reluctant to share the truth with me and to trust me with the truth because he didn't want to cause me pain. He didn't want to um, upset his family or cause us any, you know, grief or anything like that. And so because of that, he learned to become a very good liar. And so he, um, you know, he would just not tell, tell us the truth. He just felt like he couldn't trust myself or my husband because of the way we re reacted initially. So I've replayed it a million times in my head. If I could do it over again, I would wait wait calmly at home and I would pray first thing hit my knees and just pray heavenly father grant me patience grant me strength in this moment just to wait wait for him to come home and I think I would just give him a big hug as soon as he walked through the door and just remind him of how much I loved him and more than anything, I would reassure him that I would always love him no matter what. But he couldn't do anything that would make me stop loving him. And um, then I would ask him, son, is there something that's been troubling you? And I would give him time, just silent, to just let him find the words to say to me, and let him find in his own way and maybe even pray about it so that he could tell me the truth. And I would build on that relationship because when our kids struggle, all we have is our relationship with them and the love they feel for us and the trust they have in us that we will love them no matter what. And I thought that my son knew that already. I thought he believed that and knew that already, but you know, he just didn't. And at that time, he was already unsure of himself, and he needed reassurance from me that I didn't give. And so that's what I would do, and that's what I would plead with parents to do, is build that relationship and that trust from the time your kids are young. Take it, and don't think, well, just because this child has chosen this or made this decision that they are no longer trustworthy. They are trustworthy but we also need to gain their trust. That's so valuable. Thank you. Another thing that you said that I wanted to ask you about was um, initially your son was skeptical about going to the program and that, that you drug him along initially. Oh, yeah. And I know that's challenging because, you know, you kind of feel like now you have really – messed up here and dug a big hole and and of course you're going to do this because we're not going to just let you stay in the hole we don't want you to do that 
but how did you navigate that? And tell us a little bit about your, what your son thought about going and how you talked him into going. Because we have lots of questions from parents who really want their son to go to a group, but they, they are saying, no way, I'm not going to do that. Uh, what, how did you manage that? So when, like I said, when we first approached him, he was really hesitant. He'd already tried other programs and, um, like I said, interviewing with Bishop and working with him. And, and I have to just say our Bishop is an, an amazing Bishop. He's no longer our Bishop, but he was great in that he always loved my son through, through his trials. And he, um, he was very great that way, but you know, he just didn't know he hadn't received the training about, um, about addiction. Really. He just wasn't, um, versed in that at that point he is now, but, um, he did his best. And really what I told my son was, you know, this is the only thing I'm going to ask of you. Like you're getting older, you're able to make your own decisions, but I feel strongly about this. And I just want you to give it a chance. You only have to go one time. Really, that's what I told them is you only have to go this one time. Um, looking back, I would probably expand that a little and say you have to go for a month or something like that, you know, and really give it a good fair shot. Three months would be ideal. But I just, I was at the point where we were just done and he was done. And so um, I said, just do this just once for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sitting down and meeting the clinician first actually helped alleviate a lot of fears because in his mind, he was picturing addiction recovery as this group of older men who maybe didn't look the nicest or had, you know, been addicts for a really long time and just were not the type of people he was used to being around. And he was really nervous to be in that environment. And honestly, I was nervous to put him in that environment as well. But um, when he found out that they were going to be young men, his age, some younger, some older, he was like, what? (laughs) You couldn't believe that. And so um, he actually started to open up a little bit at that point when he talked to his counselor and we're so grateful for his amazing counselor um, who really helped answer questions. But I stepped out of the room Um, at that point, there was no group locally here where we live. So he started in an online group. So he met with his counselor online and then he went to the first group meeting a few days later. And at that meeting, it was like, Heavenly Father was saying, it is okay. It is okay to talk about this. It is okay to come out of the dark. It is okay to receive support because I think as hard as we are on our kids, they are harder on themselves. We don't realize that a lot of times. They are already beating themselves up. They are already hurting and they are already so mad at themselves and they punish themselves. And so I think he was so happy and relieved to find out that Heavenly Father wanted to rescue him. He did not want to punish him. He did not want to make him feel any worse than he already did. And he came home with the biggest smile on his face. Oh, excuse me. Well, he left the room after his group was over with the biggest smile on his face and just looked like I hadn't seen him look in years. And it was, it was truly amazing. So cool. Okay, so so he really could feel a spirit in group. There is yes. 
even online it was just there and he yeah his countenance completely changed I like to say sometimes you know we see the faces of the youth who are struggling and some people say oh the lights on but no one's home but really that light has just been extinguished in their faces and they just feel so defeated and they're up against a much more powerful um, enemy who has been trained you know he's been around a long time and studied us and he knew my son better than my son knew himself and um, my son needed to be taught he needed to be educated on on how to defeat this enemy because when we are when we do have the spirit when the lights back when the light in their faces is shining they are unstoppable the enemy can't touch them he can't do anything to them that they don't allow and so um yeah he got that light back and it just you know he did he did really well in the program not every day was perfect mm -hmm. um but our relationship started to heal during that time as well um and the trust that we'd lost on both sides returned so that was a that was an amazing gift too yeah for sure mm -hmm. oh and you know um just your comment about he recognized that he had an enemy and he needed to be trained on how to defeat that enemy and defend himself from that enemy one of the things i know i appreciated from my son going through Sons of Helaman is there was a huge message constantly reminding my son and these young men that are in the Sons of Helaman program who they are, who they are as God's sons and who they are on this planet and that they have a mission and yeah, why the adversary would want to take them out. Do you have anything to say further about that? Yeah, I the adversary is scared of them. So we've heard for a long time, you know, the chosen generation, the generation that's been saved for these latter days, the powerful, amazing spirits that were valiant in the pre-existence. All of that is true. And Satan knows that as well. And so he, this is really his last-ditch effort to destroy us before the Savior comes again. I really believe that. It is the plague. That was prophesied to be released, in my opinion, um, during our time. It's here already. It's been here for 30 years, you know, or longer. But he's gotten really good at it, right? And especially at catching us off guard and just having it constantly, constantly in our face. So this battle is not one that our children even need to seek out. It is thrown in their face from the time they are little, even against our best efforts to shield them from that. And so something that my son told me, which was really important for me to learn, was to stop trying to block his behavior. Um, it was okay to protect our, let's say, devices, computers, phones, tablets, things like that. But really what we needed to do was to talk, not block. And so that's just something that I I learned was talk about what are you viewing? What are the girls saying on Snapchat? You know, what are what's going around on Instagram? Um, you know, should I should I know about this or this? And and really for us in our house, we determined together with our son's social media for him, unrestricted social media, I should say, just did not work. 
for us because it's not safe. And um, he would get on it when he was home, when, when we were all at home and he was around family, he would get on and, you know, get updated on the latest news and things like that. But Satan has figured out a way to just have an unrestricted audience of youth at his fingertips at all times. And so um, for us, we're very careful about things like that, but we're also very open about things like that. We talk and work through it together now instead of blocking and forgetting or putting our blinders on. We don't do that anymore. So in our family, we're very, very open. Even with our little kids, we, of course, we keep it age appropriate, but we start talking from the time that they're young about the dangers um, online, the dangers on television, and even just the dangers of um, peers. And so we have family nights on that topic to the point probably where my kids are a little tired of it maybe, but they know they have a plan. Um, and I, even my youngest children now, because of my son's example, have come to me and said, you know, I think I saw pornography and we talk about it and I'm not angry and I'm not upset and I'm calm and we work through it and we talk, not block. So anyway, I hope that helps. I love it. You know what? I love that talk, not block. And it's not that you're saying we don't block anything. We just talk. You're obviously are blocking things to protect your family from the media that, that you can block and protect them from. But talking, I love that you put it as we don't just block things, forget about it, and then put our blinders on and think we're good. That talking purposely, not just because they brought it up, but we're, we're planning family home meetings about it. We're, we're going to make this a topic of, of open conversation instead of when it just comes up and hits us in the face. Right. I love that you brought that up. That's going to be so helpful. So many people. So um, some neat things I just need everybody to know about Stephanie, because I just love that Stephanie, she and her son felt so passionate about the transition that she's described in him and in their relationship and in their family. And just, if you could just tell them, Stephanie, um, your son had such a transition that he became transparent, even among his peers. Can you tell him a little bit about um, that and what kind of movement he caused? Yeah. So we saw my son, you know, near graduation time start becoming very um, vocal about his experience. And he started sharing with his peers what he'd gone through And I, at that point, was comfortable talking about it in our immediate family, but I wasn't sure I was totally comfortable sharing it with people outside of our tight little circle. But my son was comfortable, and so I decided I needed to get comfortable and get comfortable pretty quick because he was not ashamed. And it was so nice and so wonderful to see that that shame removed, that I didn't want to be the one to keep putting it back on his shoulders and say, no, no. But no, we just, you know, we're not going to talk about that. Yeah. So um, he actually started telling friends at school and the seminary president, and (laughs) it just started kind of spreading. And the amazing thing about that was he 
started to bring other boys into the program because of that. And I just saw in him, he, he was already a missionary, even though he wasn't on a mission. And he was just a great example to me. And so to show him that we were very proud of him and no longer ashamed and, and open, we decided to have a graduation party when he did reach graduation. And they already celebrated him in his group. Um, by that time, he had a, a live group where he could go meet with boys in person and a clinician. So they had a little celebration there. But then we invited um, best friends and their parents over for cake and ice cream. And we um, talked a little about the program. And we invited his clinician to come and share what he wanted to share with them and was able to answer questions. And it just was really cool. We we just were so proud of him at that point. And so we felt so grateful for our miracle. It was almost like we had to share. We really did. We wanted to share with other families so that they could have the peace that we have. And I just know it's, didn't your, didn't your son want to write something really cute on the cake? What did he write? Yeah, he wanted me. He wanted me to have the cake decorator write "porn sucks" on his cake. <laughs> so I thought maybe they wouldn't be super comfortable writing that on a cake. So we just wrote. We had them write "Congratulations, General Mason." So when the boys graduate from the program, they become um, a general. Is the title that they receive, and and they then are able to um, attend group for free and to um, share and help mentor other boys in the program, which is such a great gift too. So yeah, he was our general, but, <laughs> but yeah, we didn't write that on the cake. <laughs> that is so cool. And you know, I, I, I personally met some of the parents whose sons signed up for the program when I would be in a parent orientation meeting, they would, cause I always ask, how did you hear about, the Sons of Healing program, and and when he became a general, it, well, there's a young man in our ward, and I would say, is his name Mason? <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> yes, yes, and so I, he actually gave a like a lesson in young men's or something about it. Yeah, he was able to teach a lesson in his priesthood quorum on the program, not just um, the program, but on the principles that they're taught. And was able to help help boys that way too, which was great. Yeah. Uh, that's so neat. And just before I leave this topic of what happened to you with the transition that you noticed with your son and yourselves and your family, um, one thing you and your son also felt inspired to do was to write a book together. And tell us just a little bit about that. Yeah, so... You know, we talked about how how else we could share and how else we could be missionaries and, um, like I said, help families find peace and healing. And one way was just to share our story and put it out there. And so I've always loved to write. I'm not an excellent writer, but um, I just started to kind of write down what had happened through us over the last six years. And I actually went back a little further than that and talked about my son when he was younger and kind of the way I felt about him because I still felt that way, but I really struggled during the years that he was struggling 
to connect to that and to remember how I felt about him and the love that I had for him. And so um, I decided to write a story, and it's a short story, but it is a, our story, and it's called Redeeming Light. And um, really the reason I wrote that is because the Savior is that light. And when we have him and have his spirit with us, then we do the right things. We make the right choices. But, but more than that, we desire to do the right things and we desire to make the right choices because of the love that we have for him. And, and then that light shines. And other people can see that. And they can see that they too are loved in that way. And that they want to serve because of that love. And so a scripture that I really like that I put in our book is Mosiah 27, 29. I hope it's okay that I read it really quick. It says, My soul hath been redeemed from the gall of bitterness and bonds of iniquity. I was in the darkest abyss, but now I behold the marvelous light of God. My soul was racked with eternal torment, but I am snatched, and my soul is pained no more. And that was Alma speaking. And truly that encapsulates how my son feels and how I felt watching him when he was snatched, really, when he was saved. And it is because of the Savior. And I'm so grateful for him and for this program. It's truly inspired. And I know that if we follow and stick with the principles they're teaching our sons and they're teaching us that our miracle can come. It might be a small miracle. Um, six years seemed like a really long time. And sometimes it was hard to even stay at church. Some, some days I just cried all the way through all three hours of church because I thought my miracle was just not going to come. And now I just feel such peace, such peace knowing that he's done everything he can. He's not perfect, but he doesn't have to be because of our savior. Yeah. Oh yeah. And um, so good. It's thank you. This spirit is so strong. I'm so grateful for you, Stephanie, being here. Just in closing, could you just, um, if there's anything you could say to another parent or another mother, or even you talked about, you know, the things that this is an inspired program and it's taught your son so much and taught you so much. If you could just say a little bit about what kind of things have you done that have taught you so much? Um, and just so that parents can see that there's so much more to know about all this than just, wow, my son is, is needing support and we've got to find it. And then we're just going to hope he stays in there and gets the miracle. Do you know what I mean? What is it that, what is it that you needed to learn that you needed to know? And how would you recommend another mother or somebody go find that or? figure stuff out that you think I did not know. I wish someone would have told me that. Gosh, where do I start? So with my son and watching him in his experience and now watching these other generals as they graduate and do amazing things, I want to be like them. I truly do. They are my example. 
And so I saw my son being so cool and so amazing that I thought, what is he learning? What is he doing that is made him so amazing and <laughs> incredible? Like I knew he could be, as every mother thinks, right? right? But he really was doing it and being becoming that person. And I thought, what is he learning? So I was pretty slow to get my training, right? I, I It took me a while to get um, involved. But once I did, I started coming to the Mothers Who Know meeting. And I started listening to what the other mothers were saying about their um, training. And it included things like putting on the armor of God every day, which was prayer, writing, and reading. And the writing is writing a letter to God or the Savior, reading our scriptures twice a day and praying twice a day consistently and just putting that armor on. So those were things that my son was doing. I started to do those things as well. It also included things like just being around other mothers and, and getting support from them because it is a difficult process at times and really just learning to find peace in the storm and boy, the storm can be rough at times. It really can. And so if we are putting on our armor and we are staying close to our savior or in mothers, we know we call it staying close to the tree. We can have peace even in the midst of our children's addictions or misbehaviors or the things that people are doing or saying that might hurt us. Um, we can have that peace and just that comfort of, of the savior being there, being our strength, being our shield. And I started really becoming completely reliant on him. And I will say it was such a relief because I had held on so tightly during those six years of um, our trials and, and I just tried to control everything. So what I needed instead was training and learning how to rely on the Savior and let him fight with me and for me. And I can finally breathe. And even though at that point my son hadn't graduated, things weren't over necessarily over, quote unquote, um, I learned to be okay. I learned to be okay with that and to come to peace with that. And and gradually, you know, I, I've learned most of the things he's learned, maybe not as well or to the point where he has learned them, but I feel like I've understood the value of what he has been taught. And now I realize that I would have paid any price for that. I would have done anything, sold my house. <laughs> I have said things like this to Karen before, sold my cars, and done anything I could to pay for for the amazing tools and knowledge that my son and I have received. And so if this is just my small way to bring my offering back to say thank you, then then this is what I'll do. So hope that wasn't <laughs> That's incredible. Oh, incredible. And oh thank you so much. You're incredible and the way that you express yourself is so beautiful. Thank you. That was so Great. And do you have anything you'd like to say in closing? Um, I'm just going to let you let you be the close, and then we're going to be done. But that is so beautiful. I would say if I were talking to other parents and boys out there, never give up. Just don't give up. Keep going. Keep going until you think you can't go any further. And that is when the miracle occurs. 
hang on. Hang on to your testimony. Put on your armor every day. And just know he's there with you on the good days and on the bad days. And we're all vulnerable. And don't look at your children as something that's broken, beyond repair, or lost completely. Because we all are broken in our own way. We all have things that hold us back. And we all, we all have an enemy. And so just realize and, and make a space for that forgiveness for your children for being human and for being tested. And I believe that they're tested in a way that can make them stronger because they need to be stronger. And while I don't wish what we've gone through on any parent or family out there, I would say my son is stronger because of it. And we are stronger because of it. We are closer as a family. We have just unshakable faith in the Savior now. And the small things that come our way are insignificant in comparison. And we don't let that stop us. So just keep going. Never quit. And you'll get there. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Karen. I appreciate it so much. Yeah.